0: Welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. With the third week of the federal election campaign wrapping up, the dynamic is shifting as polls show the race is tightening. One of the more interesting stories this past week was the rise of the People's Party of Canada Slightly surpassing the Green Party. So, without any delay, here is the PPC candidate Nathan Lang. I'm so pleased to have with me today Nathan Lang, the candidate for the People's Party of Canada for Northumberland Peterborough South. Welcome to consider this.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Let's get to it. I want to start off first and foremost with Are you vaccinated?
1: So I'm not going to answer this question because uh, our party doesn't believe in uh, vaccine passports. And we believe that health information should be kept confidential and should not determine one's uh, ability to participate in society on any level.
0: Okay, but from uh, a voter's standpoint of view, are you coming up knocking on doors or you're approaching people or going to events? Uh, Don't you think that uh, people who are doing those things should know that your status as whether or not you're vaccinated?
1: Um, they're welcome to keep their distance. And if, if, if I go up to somebody's door and they say, I'm willing to talk with you, but put a mask on, I'm ha- perfectly happy to do that.
0: So do you think then this will hinder your ability to campaign things like going to events or door to door or gatherings of people?
1: No, I don't think so. Because I think people who, uh, you know, Our supporters, the PPC supporters are are perfectly happy to meet in person, you know, without, and we don't discuss this, Right, it doesn't even come up whether people are vaccinated or not, because this is the the platform that we're running on. Um, And, you know, if people feel uncomfortable, they're welcome to tell me to stay away or, uh, you know, tell me to talk at a distance or whatever, whatever it may be. So I don't see talking? it, it because, uh, you know, if I go up to somebody's door, I'm going to knock on the door and then stand well back and I can talk to them from a distance. And, uh, and frankly, I don't, I don't engage in risky behavior. Like I'm not going out in massive crowds on a regular basis. Um, that may change to an extent during the election campaign because it's necessary, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm not at high risk and uh, I haven't gotten sick yet. So, end up. Uh, Another point is that the risk of getting sick continues to decline because case rates are much lower and with people being vaccinated, you know, less risk.
0: Okay, because even though the the stats are saying now that uh, most people that are getting ill are the people who are not vaccinated, so.
1: Yeah, I I hear conflicting things from all kinds of sources and, uh, you know, in the States, they're saying, in some states anyways, they're saying a lot of people getting sick are vaccinated. And then there's, my understanding is the CDC has stated that your risk of uh, being a carrier is is unchanged whether you're vaccinated or not. So like if people are are vaccinated, the part, part of the point here is that if people are vaccinated, it should be protecting them to some extent. They should feel more comfortable. And if they don't feel more comfortable than when they were unvaccinated, what was the point of getting the vaccination? Like there has to be some kind of differential behavior after getting the vaccination. Um, and people who are unvaccinated, I think, in my opinion, they're taking their own risks and they're going to either reap the rewards of doing so, and whatever that might be, or uh, suffer the consequences. So, yeah. You
0: know. Okay, and I understand that's your, your opinion, but since we're talking about vaccines and the pandemic, what is your party proposing to do if it is elected in dealing with the current situation regarding vaccines and protecting people's health? You know, issues like herd immunity, you know, the federal government's been purchasing vaccines. What would your party do? Uh,
1: in terms of vaccines, so like I said, we're against vaccine passports. We're not against vaccines, to be clear. And we're not really against any, any of these things. We, we believe that people should just have the choice to, to do what they want um I, I mean if there's demand for vaccines and the, it sounds right, like right now like there's going to be a whole series of booster shots right in the future just to maintain people's um, vaccinated status basically and if I think if people demanded that, then we would allow them that option to to get vaccinated um,
0: Can I draw it to your attention though- um... Sweden, as an example, uh, it decided quite some time ago that uh, it was going to not have lockdowns. Uh, they, they didn't do masks. And now I, after 18 months, they have uh, one of the worst records. They've had 10 times the number of people dying as compared to their uh, other European countries. Um, that approach has, appears to not be been very successful. Why do you think it would be any better here?
1: Um, I'm not sure what's going on in Sweden. I I haven't heard that. Um, I'll I'll take your word for it. Uh, I think part of it, uh, part of the reason it it seemed to be working in Sweden before is because they have a culture of staying more socially distanced to begin with. That's my understanding. They just, they don't get close to each other physically, in public at least. Um, Yeah, I mean... Our our position is that people should have the freedom to do what they want. And if you're scared of of getting sick or if you're at high risk, you should have the right to lock yourself down. And, you know, in some cases for the elderly or if you have other uh, health complications or you're immunocompromised, uh, it might be advisable to do so. But there's no end point here. Like we're not seeing any sign that this is ever going to end. And do people really want this to be the indefinite future? Where we're always worried about this, um, the reality is most people are not going to, going to die die from the the virus if they catch it. Like the the death rates are quite low, and the death rates are a lot higher in people who are uh, have comorbidities and who are you know especially obese. Um, like I have family members who work in a hospital uh, with COVID patients, and they've been doing so for at least the past year, year and a half, and the anecdotal evidence that I've heard from them is that almost everybody who goes in and has severe problems needs to be put on a ventilator, et cetera, <clears throat> is somebody who is uh, obese. And this is a preventable issue because that's, that's a lifestyle thing. And so, so if case rates go up, it doesn't necessarily mean more people are going to die because, um, you know, again, health is relevant. And uh, to a certain extent, if you get seriously ill from it, it is a lifestyle factor, too.
0: (coughs) I noticed the other day uh, on your Facebook page, you were looking for signatures for people from the writing to submit uh, to Elections Canada. What's that all about? Uh...
1: So that's, that's a regular nomination process that every candidate has to go through. So... Most of the time for bigger parties, they're going to have staff who will do that for them, I assume, and they won't even bring it up. But it's a minimum number of signatures to be able to run, which is 100, which I have now collected, actually. Uh, And we're just trying to get a couple more at the moment because, you know, Elections Canada will throw some out because they can't read somebody's handwriting or, you know, it's too blurry or whatever. Uh, So that's all that is. It's just part of a standard nomination package.
0: Uh, Before we go too much further, can you tell us a bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm 28 years old. This is my first go at politics. Uh, I got involved because I, well, I, I don't think our current government's doing a very good job. And the People's Party of Canada is quite new, only three years old. And there was sort of an open invitation to apply as a candidate back in February. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to jump in and hopefully help set the stage for the party's future successes. I've always sort of had an interest in politics, but uh, it's, I think it's quite difficult to get nominated for a, a larger party. And this party happened to match my views more closely anyways. Uh, so I, I studied engineering uh, for some years, and then I, I studied two different disciplines of engineering actually, and then I switched out to accounting, which is what I do now for work. So I work uh, in public accounting, and at the moment, It's terrible timing, but I'm writing a uh, professional exam to become a CPA, which is five days before the election. So that worked out, unfortunately, but uh, it is what it is.
0: Now, were you involved at all with the People's Party of Canada in the last election?
1: Aside from voting for them, no. I was a founding member, I guess you could say. You got a free membership if you signed up when the party was first created and it lasted for a while but I did not really get involved. No.
0: Do you have family?
1: Yeah, I do. Well, I, I mean, I have parents and I have several siblings.
0: Oh, I was, I was meaning more. Did you have a partner and children? No, I don't. Okay. Um, when you're not doing politics, what do you do for fun?
1: Uh, right now there's no time for fun
0: <laughs> before, but, uh, before now.
1: I have a home gym which I use on a regular basis, Um, I enjoy so that's mostly weightlifting uh, powerlifting kind of stuff. And I enjoy trail running as well, Uh, really anything outdoors spending time outdoors. Uh, I have a motorcycle which I enjoy riding. Um, Those would be the main things at the moment during the summer, at least I really enjoy skiing too that's one of my favorite winter
0: activities. I'd like to now talk a bit about your party platform. Your party proposes to take steps to remove what it sees as barriers to freedom of expression. In particular regulations on what can be said or done on the internet, plus uh, pressure it says is placed on social media companies. With all the misinformation and disinformation on the internet and social media, plus the bullying, the hate speech, the racism, the homophobia uh, homophobia and other types of attacks, is there not, some need to limit some extreme forms of expression.
1: I don't think so. Um, I think when you try to suppress what people want to say, they're going to say it somehow, and they're going to say it where you can't see it, and then you're not going to know what they're doing. And so, if consider a situation yourself where you've wanted to say something or wanted to take an action because you you felt it was the right thing to do, and you weren't able to because somebody you get fired or you know, somebody just wouldn't let you do it. You build up this uh, anger, I, I think, if, if you can't express what you want to say, and you, you feel repressed. And so people who, if you're banning any kind of speech at all, those people are going to find other platforms. They're going to go on the dark web, maybe, who knows. And, you know, I think this is where some instances of extremism arise from that, that manifest in you know, mass shootings, maybe other uh, tragic uh, real life events.
0: But when it comes to things like bullying and, and hate speech, uh, I mean, you know, we hear of cases where young people are, are driven into depression or uh, commit suicide because of some of the things that get said. Should, shouldn't there be at least some protections for those young people that people just can't get on there and say whatever they want to say? and if it's harmful to somebody else in that way?
1: I don't see a way of doing that without inadvertently limiting other things that don't necessarily need to be limited. Like it's, the term slippery slope is used a lot, but it's it's true. Like if you if you limit one thing and who, who decides what gets limited, first of all? Like, should it be the government? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't know who would decide fairly because... <clears throat> whoever makes that decision is going to have some personal reason for doing so. And they may not make the best choice for the wider group. And once they make one decision, it's going to lead into them making other decisions, which may not be as appropriate, even if the first one was. Uh, So that's my opinion on that. We are firmly against any and all restrictions on freedom of speech. And I think part of it, this may sound a bit harsh, but getting a thicker skin used to be an admirable thing and there's a lot of nonsense on the internet. And I think people go in there sometimes and they just eat it up and you have to be able to, to laugh some of it off and just say, this is absolutely ridiculous. I can't take it seriously. Um, because a lot of it is. And, uh, so, so more could be done, I think on the side of, you know, maybe educating people on what sort of, uh, how misinformation manifests itself and how to just, you know, turn a blind eye to it because uh, people can't do anything physically to you over the computer. They should be able to. So ultimately, if you're able to brush things off, it's, it's a matter of your perception and being offended is, is an internal thing. You can choose not to be
0: offended. In that light then, what was your reaction to the rally held, when Justin Trudeau did a campaign stop in Coburg on August 17th, where there were protesters swearing at him, yelling obscenities, being physically and vocally uh, aggressive. Um, How do you react to to that kind of behavior?
1: Uh, Well, I certainly wouldn't do it myself, and I wouldn't encourage that anybody else do it, because I think it's just, um, it's just, it doesn't set a good example for whatever cause you're trying to promote. Trying to shut other people down, and I've I've seen this too. I, I attended an event uh, on Canada Day in Ottawa, and there were PPC candidates there. There were other PPC members and a whole lot of other groups. And I'm glad to say that nobody from our party or who was representing our party in any way was involved in this. But there were people who were showing some extremely vulgar things. At I think it was two there was a cameraman and, a, and an assistant from CBC and uh, they hadn't done anything wrong. They were actually invited to, to cover the event. And th- there was one guy who was just going off on them and he was getting right up in their face and physically aggressive. And some people were saying like, man, you got to cool down. Like just, just relax, just move away from them. And so they had to keep moving around uh, the lawn of the Supreme court there to try and avoid this guy and other guys who are, They were holding up signs and stuff, just pieces of Bristol board to, you know, block the camera and saying, well, you guys are, you know, causing all these problems or causing people to die or whatever. It was, it was a lot of nonsense. Um, I did go over, not not to toot my own horn, but I did go over after and uh, said, you know, sorry, hopefully you don't think everybody's like this because it's ridiculous, but uh, it's, it's, you can't really shut that down. I don't think it should be done. Like saying that I'm, uh, I don't believe in restrictions on freedom of speech doesn't mean I think people should necessarily say whatever they want to say all the time. Um, So I think those kind of, uh, you know, vulgar or uh, profanity-laced outbursts in, in situations like this are, you know, it's kind of inappropriate, but I don't think it should be banned. I think, I think part of it is one one last thing. I think part of it is rather than banning these people should be judged by society. Right. So if, if nobody agrees with them and, and, you know, if everybody thinks, you know, these people are ridiculous, they can't be taken seriously, they will disappear. You know, they'll be shunned. Um, and you, you can't stop society from doing that. Um, but I don't think that the government should be making those decisions.
0: What does this tell us about this election when we see this kind of behavior? I mean, this Coburg was only one example. There were, there's were, yeah. there been lots uh, over. I know even on your own Twitter feed, you've shared some videos uh, of this nature have been in your feed as well, uh, this kind of behavior. So I, I just wonder, what does it tell us about this election and our political climate?
1: I think mean, it's very high strong. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, my perspective is biased because I mostly interact with people who agree with me at the moment those are the people who are reaching out i don't get people from the ndp or the liberal party reaching out and saying what's your platform about so there's a lot of people who just absolutely hate justin Trudeau. that's just the way it is um, a lot of people, those people are voting conservative because they think oh this is the best bet to take him down what they don't realize is that you know Aaron o'toole stands for a lot of the same things and <clears throat> I've asked people, you know, name one benefit of putting Aaron O'Toole in over Justin Trudeau and they give answers, but their answers are wrong because none of that stuff's mentioned on his platform. (laughs) They're just making stuff up. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, everything has been politicized these days. And part of it is social media, which, you know, the algorithms on social media direct you towards the most sensationalized, extreme content. Um, it's the way they're designed because they make more money. And so if, you, if they can keep you on there looking at you know, sensationalized extreme content, uh, you're going to see more ads. You're going to make more money and you'll spend more time on the platform. And, that's, uh, and everything has a political angle because people get upset about politics and passionate about it. And so it's a problem. But I think future elections are going to be just the same at this rate.
0: You mentioned earlier that, that people who you interact with hold some of the same views that you do. Do you hate Justin Trudeau? Uh,
1: hate him? I, I don't. I wouldn't say I hate him. I, I, I try to keep a pretty calm head when I can when I'm thinking about this stuff. Uh, I think he, he's done a very bad job and I think he has bad policies um, because just by the evidence, like our country's a trillion dollars in debt that's unacceptable and it's just spend 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 and he's not an i don't find him a pleasant person to listen to or to you know to watch just because he he never answers questions like you can ask, ask him a yes or no question and he'll just go off and this is a political thing i guess where people um there's some words of wisdom out there where you're supposed to say what you want to say before you answer a question and maybe to a certain extent, that's important so you get the message across. But he never seems to answer questions straight. So he's he's not a trustworthy individual.
0: You didn't answer my first question, though.
1: Sorry, that was a... Can you ask it again?
0: The The one when I asked you about being va- vaccinated.
1: Um, Is that I different? Did answer, I did answer it directly in the sense that I said I'm not going to answer it. He did... I don't think Trudeau has ever said, "I'm not going to answer your question." Has he? Maybe he has. But uh, uh, this is a—you know—I you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? No matter what my answer is, I'm going to alienate some people, <clears throat> and I, I just don't see a, a point in that because it, it wouldn't be in line with the platform either. Because we believe in that health information should be kept confidential.
0: There is so much division today, you've alluded to it already, and the use of wedge issues in politics today. It feels like we are not a unified country, despite what anybody's going to say. Can you say something positive about the current MP, Philip Lawrence, or any of the other candidates?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Philip Lawrence, I've watched some interview content of him that was posted relatively recently. he seems like a good guy i'm not gonna lie he seems like he cares about people's freedoms uh he seems relatively honest he he has been in politics for a while and he he did mention that he's sort of got into politics or got involved in politics at a fairly young age like early teens so you know i i'm not a big fan of career politicians in that sense just because if you get too into politics you lose touch with the real world i think but he seems like a decent guy and He was he put forward a private members bill on the carbon tax. That's one particular issue. And he was so he wanted to, I think, exempt farmers from paying carbon tax on propane and natural gas. And I support that. I just don't think it's nearly far enough.
0: Your party proposes to eliminate corporate subsidies and bailouts for regional development grants and other forms of support. Now, during the pandemic, we have watched various levels of government pour millions, if not billions of dollars into small businesses, manufacturers, the tourism industry, which is really important to our riding agriculture. Many of those business people would tell you that without those supports, they would have lost their business. Are there not instances where government support is needed in order to keep the economy stable or to prevent it plunging into a recession or a depression? Uh,
1: well, in the context of the government preventing people from running their business or working, yes. You, like you'd you have, you have to support them. I, but the premise of shutting the economy down like that, I think shouldn't have been done in the first place. I I think it's, this is most applicable to really large companies um, who, you know, because we've seen this with Air Canada, I think they retracted their bonuses, but at some point um, they paid massive bonuses to all their uh, top staff. And number one, they don't need the money because they're really rich. And number two, I don't think they earned it because bonuses are normally, you know, there's usually a bonus formula based on income or something like that, which they wouldn't have earned. maybe they changed the formula just to get it. But um, yeah, I think if you're going to shut, if the government's going to say you cannot work, then they sort of have an obligation to support, support you so that you, you don't like starve to death. But uh, I don't think the fact that they said you can't work should have, should have occurred in the first place and um, small businesses got hit the worst here. And I, that is the thing, the single thing that bugs me the most about the lockdowns because, Uh, You know, small businesses were doing their best to follow all the rules the government put in place, you know, providing hand sanitizer, putting up shields, maintaining social distancing. And they were just told to shut down at different points while big businesses stayed open. And even if you had like a limit of one person at a time in those small businesses, that might have been able to sustain them because people could have waited outside or something in in a big line. But no justification was ever provided for doing that. And that just grinds my gears to no end.
0: In your party platform, there are several policies related to Canadian identity of refugees and immigration. At one point it talks about the quote, cult of diversity and it states, Justin Trudeau has pushed this ideology even further into a form of extreme multiculturalism. Could you explain what it is meant by the term cult of diversity? <laughs>
1: I mean, that's not a term I've ever used. Uh, I think the, like, like Justin Trudeau can't say a sentence without mentioning diversity and how it's a strength. <clears throat> All it does, but, but the Liberal Party and other parties have put a lot of effort into highlighting everyone's differences. So they're, they're picking up the minute details that differentiate different groups of, of humans, like skin color, so race, uh, you know, religion, um, sexual orientation and they, they're pointing out all these differences. <clears throat> so what does that do? It divides people. People start noticing the differences that they wouldn't have otherwise. And people grow more distrustful of each other. And it, it creates an incredibly fragmented society. Uh, so I, I don't see why that's, I, I don't know why that's being pushed. Um, I mean, people in my party, of course, think it's for sinister purposes, <laughs> but um unity is a strength, not, not diversity. If you have diversity of thought, that's a strength, but that's never discussed. It's always diversity of race or whatever, but that's, that is inherently racist because you're assuming that everybody of the same race is, you know, is is different than people of another race. So they're somehow adding something by virtue of just being a different skin color, which is absurd. Uh, so it's, it's very, the, the whole diversity thing is very contradictory. And we're, we're, what we're trying to focus on is unifying things, which is that we're all Canadians. We all live in this country and we should have common goals that allow the country to succeed as a whole, rather than focusing on our irrelevant superficial differences.
0: Is there any room for individuals to practice their cultural heritage?
1: Oh, absolutely. We're not against that at all. It's uh, There should be some unifying principles, but... I don't think it states anywhere, to my knowledge, in the platform that anything should be suppressed or that you cannot practice any religion, like freedom of religion, we still support that, just like we support freedom of speech. There, there should be no restrictions on that whatsoever. But there should also be, some people have no, um, you know, some people come into the country and don't have any Canadian values at all, and they never intend to, to take any on. And that doesn't work because then you have a a mini country within your country where people are vying for completely different objectives.
0: Your party also proposes reducing the number of refugees to stop the flow of illegal immigrants along with building a fence. Um, Why is it necessary to go to such extremes? So I'm not
1: familiar with the fence piece. Is that on the platform?
0: It is. I read it today.
1: And where would the fence be located?
0: They said in areas where it was necessary to prevent people from coming across.
1: So uh, a few years ago, I think it was 2019, there was a massive influx of Haitian refugees from the the states, or allegedly refugees, but they, they weren't refugees because Haiti's not at war. It never was during that time period. So it was just people pouring across the border. And we don't think this is a good thing because... When they come across the border, they're entitled to a whole bunch of things right off the bat, including our healthcare system and education for their kids and other things that cost Canadian taxpayers money during the time period that they're applying for refugee status. Uh, And so the government's basically just handing stuff out to people who aren't Canadians, which doesn't make any sense at all. And they're not actually refugees, so presumably their application will eventually be denied. we have a lot of problems in this country right now. Like there's people who are unemployed. There's a massive amount of debt. <clears throat> there's this total overall sense of disunity already. And my opinion, and I believe that the opinion of most, if not all people in our party, is that we need to deal with our own problems first. And we're not against immigration. We're not against taking in refugees, but there's things happen, have to happen in a certain order. And if, if there's no limitation to the scope of government, which there doesn't seem to be right now you can just take a bit of this a bit of that and it's all just a big mess you just spend a lot of money and there's no actual goal whereas if we focused on our own problems first dealt with those solve them and then we're gonna we'd realize okay we've got some funds left over we've got a surplus maybe this could be spent on taking in refugees helping other countries but it's we can't do everything at once we can't solve the world's problems all at once it's impossible
0: Stats Canada said that from February 2017 to March 2021, a four-year period approximately, about 59,000 refugee claims were made by irregular border crossers, the ones that you're talking about in your policies. Now, out of those, only a third were accepted, 20,000, and the rest were rejected or people were abandoned their claims or they withdrew or they're pending. And if you look at the first quarter of this year, there were only 193 people that we're doing this irregular border crossing. It sounds like there are really not that many people. And so why is this uh, not taken into account when you talk about the system? I mean, is it really that big an issue that that it has to be part of a party platform?
1: I I don't think this is one of our biggest issues at the moment, no. And I'd assume there's fewer people crossing now because I assume the border is being more heavily trolled and policed uh, due to ongoing border restrictions whether that's going to the US or coming over here it's it's hard to keep track of what the what the rules are going in, in each direction um, but it was a problem at one point I I don't think we should have any number of thousands of people coming in and the, the other thing is their applications may be rejected but who's actually making sure that they leave the country like a, a lot of these people can just hide like they can just find somewhere to go and it there's no resources to track down each individual. So I think the numbers are gonna be misleading there no matter what, I don't know how misleading, maybe not very, but it's still a number of people. And again, I don't think this is one of the major issues at this point in time, but it was at one point. <clears throat> and we're trying to be consistent and, you know, while being reasonable, not modify the platform too much.
0: Uh, I would like to know what your party intends to do to help seniors who are struggling to pay their rent, pay their bills, have enough money to get around. The old age security payments have remained frozen for many, many years and have not increased with inflation. So how does your party plan to address this?
1: Um, this might seem a bit callous, but if it's not in the platform, uh, it won't be addressed. Um, the our, our party is specifically try to do politics differently. And, and maybe a lot of people say this, they say, we're different, we're gonna be honest or whatever, but we're not trying to make promises <clears throat> to specific groups of people um, to address their issues because that's seniors, but there's other issues for youth and there's other, other issues for people who are middle-aged in certain, certain uh, scenarios. There, is, there are a million and one issues between different demographic groups in the country. They cannot all possibly be addressed. Um, it's we need to solve big picture issues first. And with old age security, I agree that payments should be higher. That would be great. But we don't have any money as a country. We're a trillion dollars in debt. And it has to be one thing at a time, like I said, like we have to get spending under control so we can reduce the debt and then build things back up. And you mentioned Sweden earlier, and I, I think some other um <clears throat> Scandinavian countries have really great uh, equivalents of old age security and, you know, retirement pension plans that are funded by the government. That's because they're really responsible with their money and they have surpluses that they can afford to put extra money into, into these plans. So um, again, it might sound callous, but we're not, if if somebody asks us, what are you going to do about my particular situation? The answer is, as Max Bernier has stated in several speeches at this point, I believe is nothing special where our policies are intended to address all Canadians and they're attra- intended to address things at a federal level a big picture level. And then we can solve the rest of the problems in the process.
0: I find, I find that very interesting because I, I looked through your policies again and, and uh, I looked for something around affordable housing because it, it's a major problem in Northumberland County. I mean, the county has a 10 year waiting list for affordable housing for decades. And I, I was curious to find out from you what your party proposes to do to help these people find a place to live that they can afford. Does this fall under the same category then?
1: Uh, no, I think housing is a very big issue right now. I mean, it affects me too. Not, not that that should affect you know our, our, our platform, but uh, I've actually put a policy forward to the party to, to address this and part of it is <clears throat> In my opinion, anyways, and I think the opinions of others is that there are a so houses are are unaffordable across the country, but they are really bad in this area. And um, a big problem is foreign investors who, you know, billionaires in other countries, no, no number of Canadians can compete with them. They can just buy up new housing as it's built. And there's a lot of vacant properties, especially in big cities, and it reduces the supply. And these properties are just being held for appreciation so they can make money. <clears throat> we had this absolutely ineffectual tax of 1% put on those in Ontario. That's my understanding. And that's not going to dissuade anyone. You need something harsher, which is going to penalize them for holding empty properties. So this is not part of the platform. But this is what I proposed is put a large tax, maybe 20%. I don't know. That's just the number I'm throwing out on the ones that are vacant and not being rented and then if they chose to rent to canadians you reduce that but you still penalize them because they're not canadians and we want canadians want to own homes i think this is generally agreed on most canadians would like to own their own home and have their own house so if people are preventing canadians from doing that they should be penalized on some level and maybe they find that's too expensive so then they decide to sell they sell to canadians but another thing which and, and this is part of a Conservative platform that was recently released is banning foreign investors entirely from purchasing real property in Canada, which I think is um, a good idea. And they want to do it for two years. I think it should just be done sort of indefinitely uh, because that's a big problem. Um, Because the idea is you free up supply that way. And and part part of our immigration policy as well in pausing immigration, which I guess we might talk about at some point here as well, is you're reducing the increase in demand. So right now, Justin Trudeau wants to bring 400,000 roughly new immigrants into Canada per year. That's what he's proposed at some point. And that's 400,000 people who need to find houses. And there's a lot of people here who can't afford houses. Many Canadians think they'll never be able to afford a house. And if you're bringing people in constantly, uh, it's just going to drive up prices more because there's more people competing for it. So I, I think that is a big problem. And uh, we are taking steps to address that.
0: There have been several deaths recently in Northumberland due to an opioid overdose. The police are very worried, as are many other agencies. What is your party prepared to do about this?
1: Yeah, that's, uh, it is a big issue. I think it's there's a lot of that going on in Vancouver as well and uh, other major cities. Um, <clears throat> One thing that I believe is correct is that uh, overdoses and other very preventable deaths like suicides have really spiked during the pandemic. There's been a lot of mental health issues which have propped up. And I think it's, it's very straightforward to say that it's due to people being socially isolated and unable to partake in the things they, they, they need to do and that they want to do. People maybe can't run their own business or... Um, can't see their friends for extended periods of time, or maybe they they have family members who are extremely at risk and they can't see them. <clears throat> so in my understanding, uh, deaths in many age groups during the lockdown period uh, due to suicides, overdoses, and other preventable uh, causes exceeded COVID deaths. Uh, and, and this wasn't in every age demographic of course. Do
0: you, do you but, have a source that you could give then some numbers? I I could
1: but uh, I can send it to you after this. I'll send it to you after this or I'll back my statement. <laughs> um, I don't have anything at my fingertips right now. Uh, obviously in, in um, older populations this isn't the case um, but there has been an increase in issues with mental health and uh, whether or not there are more deaths I think which again, I will support, uh, I think it's become more of a problem. So by ending lockdowns, which is part of what we, or by opposing lockdowns so that provincial governments <clears throat> lift the lock restrictions, uh, we can help address that directly, indirectly rather. I, I don't know much about the illegal drug trade.
0: What are you doing in your personal life to make a difference regarding climate change? I'm not talking now about party policy. I'd like to know what actions you take in your daily life to impact climate change.
1: Uh, not specifically, I, um, I recycle stuff. I don't go out of my way to pollute, right? I think I, I like the environment being clean. Don't get me wrong. And uh, a lot of people think the PPC are a bunch of climate change deniers. And this isn't true. Uh, we're not denying that climate change isn't happening. Uh, is it, happening, but uh, the reality is that Canada produces a tiny fraction of global emissions. And even if we reduced it to zero, uh, it, it wouldn't really affect the global climate because climate is a global thing. There's a part, of, a big part of our party, and something that is important to me, especially, is climate alarmism. And you know, we've been hearing that there's a climate crisis since the 1980s. First, it was global cl- cooling, and then it was global warming and you got Al Gore with uh, an inconvenient truth, which I remember seeing in high school and none of that panned out. Uh, the hockey stick graph was debunked and then it was never really retracted. I think, you know, they, they could have been a few years later cause I saw it like at the sort of the end of the period where the predictions were being made to and none of them had happened, but nobody said, you know it turns out this, this video wasn't really on the ball. Um, <clears throat> There's always been a climate crisis, apparently, and I think we're doing pretty fine. Like Canada is not a dirty country. Um, we, I, I think, you know, issues like even smog and just general pollution have really declined. Cars are getting cleaner. There's always uh, increased uh, standards on, on emissions and even coal burning processes are getting cleaner. And I don't think it's something we need to worry about. I don't contribute a huge amount to greenhouse gases. I don't really do anything special in that sense. <clears throat> And I'm not trying to go out of my way to have an utterly insignificant effect on it because it it doesn't matter. And another point with climate change is that anybody who thinks it's a bad thing doesn't, like, you can't predict the future. We don't know whether it's a bad thing. It could be a great thing because, you know, most things survive better in warmer climates. And for example, Greenland, just this is a random example, but there's, arable farmland on Greenland and it would be livable. Maybe there's certain areas of the world where you can start farming stuff. And yeah, maybe there's bad effects, who knows? But but we can't know for certain that it's an all bad thing. And maybe some species go extinct, maybe other species crop up um because they're better adapted to a warm climate. But it's it's not a foregone conclusion that it's going to be a bad thing.
0: Okay, help help me out here because I'm a little bit confused. You started off by saying that the People's Party of Canada is not made up of climate deniers. And then you just went on and gave me a whole raft of things that sounded like you were denying climate change. So did I misinterpret what you said? And, and correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Maybe I explained myself poorly. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's the global temperatures are rising. But with respect to an inconvenient truth, they didn't rise nearly to the extent that was predicted in that documentary, for example. Um,
0: okay, but maybe that's. I'm, I'm saying that climate action. change doesn't matter. Oh, okay. But,
1: but we're we're allegedly not taking enough action. We're never taking enough action, apparently. And there's countries who are going through their industrial revolution essentially at this point, right? They're they're decades behind when we went through it in North America, but <clears throat> China, India, Pakistan, Indonesia, lots of manufacturing, lots of Carbon emission or carbon dioxide emission-intensive processes, and they have no intention of uh, backing down on those. So it's it's a mute point what Canadians do is what I'm trying to say. And yes, I, I would not be surprised if global temperatures
0: are rising. What has it been like on the campaign trail? I mean, what are people saying to you, and and what's it like, you know, going out on these incredibly hot days and and uh, knocking on doors?
1: So I haven't done a whole lot of door knocking yet, just because uh, it's taken a while to get materials in. I don't want to go to people's doors and have nothing to give them, so that they can, you know, contact me or just a reference to see what some of our basic policies are. <clears throat> I've done a little bit of it, uh, and but but for the most part, it's interacting with people who are already, you know, at events and online who are already interested and a lot of them are just saying we're really glad to have the option to to vote for you because it's different and they weren't sure if there was going to be a ppc candidate in the riding. and of course you know we're not the best known party that's just the reality at this point we're a pretty new party so it's not going to be publicized the same to the same level if there's a new liberal or conservative candidate for example but uh you know some people don't a lot of people don't want to talk politics i don't blame them like politics is a big mess and uh life is probably a lot easier if you just stay out of it and try to enjoy your life. And, uh, there's some people who, you know, I said, can I talk to you about, um, about this? Cause there's an election coming up and they said, no, not interested. And that's, that's fine. That's, uh, it seems to be a fair number of people, but, uh, that's the way it is.
0: Nathan Lang, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today.
1: Thank you, Robert. I really appreciate it.
0: That was my conversation with Nathan Lang the PPC candidate for Northumberland, Peterborough South. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.